This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. now in this generation, what 10 years or 20 years ago has done. We're reaping it right now. Why? Because there are not enough godly children. There are not enough godly parents to raise up godly children. Proverbs 22 verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. What do you think the Jews, they love to have a bar mitzvah? Yay! Why? Because they say, listen, I did my job. The choices and decisions that we make today can have a profound impact on future generations. In today's teaching, Pastor Eddie will encourage listeners to embrace the responsibility of being a godly example. We live in a world that needs Jesus, and our first mission field is our family. How can you establish disciples and set habits in your home that will foster a community of godliness and then travel with your children? Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. As he continues his message, Paul's charge to Timothy and the Word of God. You know, the Bible's filled with so many promises. But I can guarantee you, you know, like, you know, you have the Christian decor, right? The Lord is my shepherd. You know, I can do all things to Christ Jesus. You know, it's beautiful, framed. You have it on your refrigerator and you have it even on your, you know, your pillows with scriptures. You have scriptures all over the house. This is one scripture, I promise, that nobody's going to write. I guarantee you, it's not going to be in a bumper sticker. It's not going to be in your refrigerator door. You're not going to have it framed up in your house. But this is the promise to say, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. If anybody frames that, let me know. I would like to see it. (laughs) If you desire to live God, you will suffer persecution. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verses 18 to 20, he says, if the world hates you, which it does, not because you look ugly or they don't like your clothes, it's because of Jesus that's in you. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Be careful. You're loved by the world. Are you really showing the world that you're a Christian? Yet, he says, because you are not of this world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. That could be another frame Bible verse. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29 and 30. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29 and 30. It says, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, that's easy, but also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict, that word conflict in the Greek means, is the word aragon, which means agony. Have the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Oh, yeah, Jesus loves me. I'm a Christian. Praise the Lord. At the end of the program, you know, we're hurting. 
can you please sow a seed of $1,000? You know? You just talked about faith. Where's your faith? Anyway, it's been granted your behalf not only to believe, but also to suffer. Another Christian decor that needs to be inframed. All right? Real Christianity, real Christian who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. Christianity is becoming more and more unpopular. More and more unpopular. Melvin Laird was an American politician, writer, statesman. He served as the Secretary of Defense in 1969 all the way to 1973. In one of his speeches, he said this, In this world, it is becoming more and more unpopular to be a Christian. Soon, it may become dangerous. We're seeing that happen. It's becoming dangerous because... It's not because you stand for political views, you stand for biblical views, and because the biblical views tends to lean on one side, you're marked. And all Christians are marked. It's going to be hard. Those who desire will suffer persecution. Verse 13, he said, but evil men and apostles will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So in the last days, perilous time, perilous men, evil men, here, the word imposter in the Greek means sorcerer or swindlers. And that's what they're doing with the people of God. Especially those Christians who don't know doctrine, don't know the word of God. They're being deceived by different denominations and other unbiblical practices. They're being deceived. Jesus warns us in Matthew 24 and 25. Read that for homework. About the last days, that many would be deceived. But I give you one verse, two verses. In Matthew 24, verses 4 and 5. Jesus says, take heed that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. The deception would be so bad, it's getting worse and worse. Deceiving to the point where they even deceive themselves. That's how bad it is. They are deceiving themselves. So that's in verses 10 to 13. Dean about the faithfulness of God in the midst of persecution, in the midst of, of suffering. Maintain the course Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Now we're going to look at verses 14 to 17. deals with the faithfulness of the word of God. In verse 14, Paul begins by saying, but you, and he's not only talking to Timothy, but you, every believer in Jesus Christ, but you who desire to live godly in Christ, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. In contrast of the evil men and what they're teaching and deceiving, Timothy, you and I, we must remain faithful to the things we've learned in the scripture. Everything that we do here, that's why the scripture is central. We look at it, we study it verse by verse. We use other passages of verses and scripture to confirm to, you know, what we're studying. You see it for yourself. We open our Bibles. We do expository teaching, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I'm not going to teach what I feel like teaching. I, as a teacher, as a pastor, feeding you what needs to be fed, I have to study. Even if, if it's not a popular message, I got to study and teach it. Even if I don't know it, I got to study and teach it. Whether it's popular, I got to study and teach it. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Listen, Timothy, you know, you were born with, with godly parents. All that you learned from your parents 
learn. He says, verse 14, but you must also continue in the things which I, you have learned and assure of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Who did Timothy learn? He first began with his parents. He had godly parents. And how we're praying for godly parents today. What Paul is saying, Timothy, you know that you can trust the word of God because your mother, and it's here, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, when we began our study of 2 Timothy, Paul wrote this, when I call to remember the genuine faith that is in you. Why was it genuine faith? Because which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, I am persuaders in you also. This genuine faith, it all starts as children. We're concerned about school. Great. They need an education. We're concerned about future training and studies or whatever it is. But we fail to teach them the word of God. We fail to tell them that it is Christ who is the center of all things. And without Christ, you will not be successful. And they always, you know, I always heard the illustration of you going up the ladder of success, but the ladder is leaning on the wrong building. It is wrong. It is the world where we come and present children. We don't baptize children. It's not biblical, but when we present children. What you're saying, I'm giving this child back to you. The question is, did you? Did you raise up your child for yourself? Did you raise up your child for them? Did you raise up the child for the world? Or did you raise up your child for the Lord? Seek the kingdom first. All things will be added to you. Not some of the things, all things. And as parents... We need to, you know, teaching them how to fish, that's great. You're not going to fish in heaven. There's no fishing in hell either. Teaching them how to, how to shoot, how to golf, how to cook, how to use a power tool. Yeah, it's great. I love to see that when parents are teaching their kids how to do things. But the one thing that lacks is parents are not teaching them God. They're not teaching him the word of God. Here, Timothy is a perfect example because he had godly parents who showed him the word of God that Paul himself had to say, your faith is genuine. Why? Because your mother and your grandmother. You had godly parents, bottom line. Christ was first. The Bible was first. We'll do everything. We'll pay $500. Maybe I don't know how much these game consoles cost nowadays. They cost so much. Kids are in front of computers. The computers... Listen, I don't have to tell you, but I, it's a warning. It's a warning. We see it now in this generation, what 10 years or 20 years ago has done. We're reaping it right now. Why? Because there are not enough godly children. There are not enough godly parents to raise up godly children. Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. What do you think the Jews, they love to have a bar mitzvah? Yay! Have, uh, Why? Because they're saying, listen, I did my job. I raised them up. I had to read Torah. They did, you know, whatever ceremony. That's it. 13, they're the age of accountability. They have to answer to the Lord. Problem is, how many parents are teaching their children the ways of the Lord? And here, Timothy had that. Verse 15, he said, from childhood, you have known the Holy Scripture. He had known the Holy Scriptures, and it was evident in his life. And he goes on to say, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You know, this is why we worry. Oh, my son, my daughter, they went to college. They don't go to church anymore. Why? Why? Because success in the world was priority. <laughs> It was priority. 
oh, he doesn't come to church anymore. Well, well, you know, we, we took him to sports. I know they have sports every Sunday. Well, what do you think you're teaching them? Church is secondary. God has to work around sports. I haven't got to tell you about my story. You know my story, right? Okay, man, you know, okay? For those of you who don't know, no, they're good. You find out. I don't need therapy. My father said, hey, do they have baseball games on Sunday? Yes. Sorry, you're going to church. I'm okay. I'm normal. <laughs> I don't need therapy. Ask my wife. Well, don't ask her. <laughs> Christ is first. Christ is first. One thing that happens, the word of God does make you wise. That's what Paul is saying here. Psalms 19 verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Psalms 119.98 says, you, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. The word of God makes you smart. If you take the word of God from, away from me, you're going to say, boy, Pastor Ray is not the sharpest tool in the shed. He's not the sharpest tool in the pencil pack. Sharpest pencil in the pack. There you go. You see, I can't even say that right. But you see, it's the word of God. The reason to have the word of God is salvation salvation. He says at the end of verse 15, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. First Peter chapter one, verse 23, have it been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abide forever. Romans 10 verse 17. So faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Now here's a popular verse, verse 16. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word all here in the Greek is interesting. It means all. It's all. It means everything. All scripture, not just part of it, not a piece of it. Oh, we need to question this passage here. We're not too sure. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not true. You have critics and sadly, you have liberal scholars who believe that, all, that not all scripture is inspired by God. They say, well, not all of it. You know, we've uh, gathered around, you know, the uh, table of our, you know, crew and smart, intelligent, wise men. And we decided that, who are you to decide? It's dangerous when you decide what is inspired and what is not. Anyone who takes the position, whether scholar, whatever, takes the position that, some of the scriptures are not inspired by God. First thing you have to do is go through all 66 books of the Bible. You have to go through all 66 of the Bible. You have to go through 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses, and decide which one are inspired and not inspired. And if, here's the problem. When you put yourself in that position of judging whether or not a passage is inspired or not, what you are doing, you become a judge of the Bible. Instead of the Bible judging you, which it should, you're now judging the Bible. The Bible that is meant to feed us, that we grow in the word of God. But now you're taking away a key passage, any, even the smallest verse. It's inspired by God. It's inspired by God. Written by man, yes, but inspired by God. 40 different authors in the span of 1,500 years, written by kings, shepherds, you name it. Fishermen, 
inspired by God. And when you put it together, it doesn't even, people say, oh, well, there's contradiction. Listen, when you get that, simply just take the Bible and say, okay, show me where's the, con- the contradiction. Show me. As a matter of fact, you could take the Bible, but I'll give you a week. I'll give you two weeks, but you promise me you get back to me? Email me the passages or get back to me. Find me those passages where they're contradiction, and we'll sit together and figure out and find the truth. Because the problem is you don't understand. And the most intelligent minds in the world are secular. They will read the Bible just as a joke. Oh, the Lord departed the sea. Yeah, right. Okay. That's what they will say. And then they'll look at other passages, but there's no contradiction. Written by the hands of man, yes, but inspired by God. Did, did Noah bring the flood? No, it was the Lord. But did the Lord build the ark or the Lord had Noah build the ark? The Lord had Noah built the ark. Because by building the ark, it glorifies God because it shows you have faith. It shows that you're being moved by God. And these men feared God. They took the word of God seriously. That's why the Lord entrusted them to write. And you won't find a contradiction in there. So it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable. How is it profitable? Read on. Doctrine. Doctrine. That's what we teach here. The doctrine. There's certain doctrines. You know, there's some things that you could, uh, okay, you know, agree to disagree agreeably. But there's something that's in scripture. Like the doctrine of man, sin, salvation, justification by faith, sanctification. Those are things you can't change. It's doctrine. For reproof, that means conviction, to point out certain areas in our lives that needs improvement. Correction, setting something straight, that's what it means, setting something straight. And there needs to be correction in certain things that we study or we talk about. For example, I had this said quite often, it was misquoted. You know, you get those very popular Bible verses and all of a sudden the world gets a hold of it. They start quoting it and they start quoting it wrong. They say, money is the root of all evil. No, it's the love of money, Right? So you bring that correction, okay? And then it's for instruction for righteousness. And it's by God's grace that, you know, it teaches us to live godly lives. It tells us to live godly lives, but it also shows how to do it practically. It gives us instruction. So it only gives us doctrine. Most of Paul's epistles are written this way. He first begins with, you know, giving us doctrine. And then he gives us the practical, how to put it into practice. If you ever study most of his uh, epistles, verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word complete here in the Greek means perfect. It means fitted. In it of ourselves, we cannot make ourselves perfect or complete. But here's the amazing, beautiful thing. We are complete in Christ Jesus. Every one of us who accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior, we are complete. We lack nothing because we have Jesus, right? What does it say in Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10? Paul writes this to the church of Colossae. He says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. It's not because of you, it's because of Jesus that's in you. In the same way, God said, be holy for I am holy. That's a tall order, right? How can I be holy? You're not. Positionally, you are in Christ Jesus. You're holy. Positionally, you are complete. 
But practically, we need to continue and glorify God. We need to continue to do what's holy. Everything, you know, we think about, I think about my life. Every time, you know, I say, wow, you know, we have to battle this, this flesh, everything all the time. I said, Lord, I, I was listening to Leonard Ravehill. He's a, what they call it sermon jams on YouTube. So every, I like to listen to those convictions. I like someone, ah, you know, to just really give it to me. One thing he said that really stood out, and it's been in my mind for weeks, you could be as spiritual as you want to be. Not for the sake of being spiritual, show off, oh, I'm more spiritual than you are. No, closer to God. And I said, how can that be? I know I could, don't get me wrong. I understand the doctrine and how it works. How can I stop thinking about getting on my computer and doing the things of every day and just think about God every second, every minute, every day? It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way. So we need to study God's word. It's the message Paul is giving to Timothy. Back in chapter 2, verses 2 and 15, Paul writes this, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we need to study God's word. And I leave you with this. This is important. Many people only open up their Bibles in church. Only in church. We need to study. This doesn't count. You're being taught. You got to put it into practice when you leave. Go over. Go over what we study. You need to study. Even what I say, you need to study. what I Don't believe everything I tell you. You need to study yourself. Okay, we had that study Sunday with Pastor. Let's see if that's what it's really saying. I would never take offense. Paul never did. As a matter of fact, the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, this is the last verse. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it says, these were more fear-minded, speaking of the Bereans, than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness, ready to hear the word, Paul, bring it, and search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Okay, Paul, I'll get back to you next week. I better not find any errors or false teaching here. No, they took it home. This is why you come here, you learn. That's why you come to church. It's not to score points with God. It's being obedient to the word. You come here to learn the word of God, right? All called to preach the gospel. We have too many preachers in the pulpit, not enough teachers. Preachers, you preach out there, we teach here. You proclaim out there, we explain here. That's what church is all about. You've been fed the word of God. This is what we do. You have to learn the word of God. The word of God is inspired by God. It is faithful to the text. It's alive. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Running the Race. Pastor Eddie has been talking us through the book of 2 Timothy in this series, which is found in the Pauline epistles. As Paul's life and ministry are coming to a close, he writes to remind Timothy that although there were those that treated him poorly, there were also good people, faithful in helping him fight the good fight. In essence, this letter catches Timothy up on exactly who those men and women were, so that he's better prepared to effectively continue the ministry. Standing by your convictions and faith is no simple feat. And Paul understood that Timothy needed to know who he could depend on for help, besides Jesus, of course. Are you in a season where there's a struggle at every turn? If you're looking for help to navigate those difficulties, 
or simply need someone in your corner, here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. What a great invitation for those in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area. Remember that you can find more messages from Pastor Eddie on that same website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks so much for joining us today on Running the Race.